Okay, so um, we've got a couple passages to be going through this morning. So the first one is Psalm 2, and you can find that on page 536. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And the second Bible reading for this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. And you can find that on page 1160. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hi everyone. 
My name's Mike, if I haven't met you, great to be with you today, and I'm really looking forward to uh, thinking about mission with you together today. But let me pray, and then we'll get into uh, God's Word and think about mission together. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can come together uh, on this uh, cooler uh, Sunday morning, which is kind of nice. And Father, we we do thank you that we can come together uh, in fellowship, not just to um, enjoy ourselves, but to hear from your word, to be encouraged by it, to be challenged by it. And today, we're actually coming to the very heart of why we started Grove and what's at the heart of what Jesus did. And so help us to recommit to it, to understand it, and to think about how we can play our part in your great mission. Amen. If you're uh, visiting us today and you're not sure where you are with God, what's great about uh, today for you is that you'll get to see that Christianity has one single focus and why we do talk about Jesus all the time and why it matters and why we say, as God's people, we want to tell others about it. And so it's actually helpful for you to see, ah, that's why Christians think that way. So I hope that's helpful uh, for you as well to come along for the ride. Now... This idea of mission, I reckon in some people's minds, depending in your workplace, if you have a lot of vision setting and goal setting and mission, you're just thinking, ah, here we go, another goal setting uh, time. Because every group, every organisation has a mission or a vision, whether it's articulated or not. Just to make the point, uh, many of you could could tell me what your workplace uh, vision or mission is, couldn't you? I'd expect the principal of a school to know what their motto is and what their vision is, for example? Beautiful. And and all your teachers could just say that exactly like that. Could, yeah, <laughs> couldn't they? <laughs> um, and your chairman you reckon, you're of the board, you reckon he could? Could have said it like that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, other workplaces, have you got goals or purposes that you have? Has anyone else got one? I, I know you do. What about Salisbury Council? Do you have any goals or focuses? There you go. You all, you all have things that you do with a mission or a purpose. And sometimes it's not articulated, sometimes it's very articulated and drives you crazy because it's just like a statement that kind of loses its meaning. But mission is indicating that you have a purpose for something, that you actually are going somewhere, you you are on a journey for something, you want something to happen. That's why a good workplace would think about it. In our lives, we would have them as well. The question is, how do we determine our mission as a church here Trinity Church. We come up with clever words, maybe, as long as it sounds really good, like, wow, I was blown away by what everything Julie said, that just sounded, you know, really good, I'm I'm on board because it just sounded really clever. So as long as we do that, that's your mission. Or, what we need to do is, we need to spend some time thinking about what's going on around the world around us. That's often how we figure out what a mission is. What organisation spends their whole time coming up with statements 
after they analyse what, the, what the, the communities around them are like, but then they actually do what they want anyway. Polit- governments, they're all about mission statements and things like that and, and telling us this is what the community wants so this is what we'll tell them, whether they do it or not, whole different ball game. but you determine from what other people want. Is that what we should do? We shape ourselves on what the current climate is like out there. Or we could just go towards, yeah, we can think about that. It'd be nice to have good words, but it'd also be really good if we, it interests us. So what matters the most? So our mission is to be a church that, what could it be? It could be providing meals for every single homeless person in Adelaide because that is a really good cause which we would all agree with and we're passionate about it someone here is passionate if I was the pastor here and I was passionate about it I convince you to be passionate about it because that interests us and we get up this and that is our number one focus what interests us good causes something that maybe uh, that you know the Christian uh, church has done a lot of work in how do we figure out our mission well We've had banners before, and, and I said last week, uh, our banners haven't come up when we've moved here because we're getting new ones and we haven't figured out exactly what we're going to say on them. But, and last week we had the banner, uh, which was uh, highlighting that we're, we exist for God's glory. Can anyone remember what's said on the other banner? There's two things. Can anyone remember what's said on the other banner? Christ's love compels us. And what's the other thing that's said on top of it? Because we're going to get to that today as well. Can anyone remember? It's kind of a weird statement. Yeah, oh, Tim, excellent. Very good. We are a Jesus-shaped community and Christ's love compels us. That was supposed to stay there. There you go. That banner had been up at our church from the very beginning because it mattered to us. We are a Jesus-shaped community. That's not just some tripe line. That's not just a fancy way of saying it. I, I like saying it that way because it's a bit different. So people go, what's that mean? And then it makes us think about it. But what, why say that? It's because Jesus is the one that determines our mission. Everything we do, which we saw last week, all our focus on magnifying God's glory is about Jesus, where it's highlighted. Everything we do is about him. So if we have any mission or purpose, Jesus sets the agenda. Let me show you that just, there's so many ways to go about this. I was kind of bamboozled in which way I'd go uh, today because the Bible just is full of this mission playing out. So this is just the way I thought about it this, um, this week. I wanted to see how does Jesus start his mission when he rocks up and when he gets to 30 and he, and he goes off in his, um, in his mission when he um, comes into the world and how does it end? You see, the way it starts... As being a Jesus-shaped community, we need to think about how Jesus does it and we see in Mark 1, 15, at the start of his mission, very well-known words that are very significant to us understanding our mission. Jesus said, right at the beginning, the time has come. This is it. I'm on mission. Here it is. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. His whole path in everything he did and all the good that went along with it is about this, ultimately. That God's kingdom is going to come, is going to be brought 
by him and what he does and the world needs to respond to it by believing in it because they need to turn back to him and repent. That's what repentance means, turning back to him and trusting in him. That is the good news. You could say, and believe the gospel. Good news, gospel. This is the declaration of good news. That is the mission that Jesus went on. So as his people, that has to speak volumes into what matters to us, doesn't it? And as he finishes his, uh, his time on earth, in Matthew's Gospel, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, we see another very well-known phrase, I'm sure many of you could just say without me putting it up on the screen, but he says in the end of his mission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go making disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who is bringing in the kingdom, said, I have all the authority to bring in the kingdom. Why does he have all the authority? When is he saying this? After he died, after living a perfect life and conquered the grave and rose again. And he says at the end of his mission, it's all done? Well, he's done what he, need, he needs to do. What plays out now is that his people tell others they need to respond to it. Go and make disciples of all nations. Our mission, if you love Jesus, if you're a follower of him, sees that Jesus started with one focus and at the end of his time, he says, I've done it. So now, my brothers and sisters, who have become part of the kingdom, you actually make disciples now. This is for all of those in God's kingdom. We won't go into the details of breaking down this passage and it means uh, today, because that's not, um, we don't have the time for that, but it is, it is the task for all of us who love Jesus. And so our mission must be about the king's kingdom. Jesus is the king and his kingdom he brings in. And we are waiting for the kingdom to come in all its glory into all eternity. That is what matters to us. If we are going to be Jesus-shaped, if you are going to wholeheartedly follow him, that is not a task for other believers. That is what you're signing up for. Have you ever signed up for something and then got into it and gone, yeah, no, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, <laughs> there's quite a lot of little, yep, uh, nods then. Sometimes when we, we uh, commit to doing a task at work and it goes, well, I just thought I was going to um, bring this group along to do this task with me and now all I'm getting is all their complaints and why I'm doing a bad job and, and my boss is telling me I've got to fix the situation. But there, uh, What is going on? I did not sign up for this. If you believe that Jesus has died for you and risen again, you turn back to him, you do sign up for passionately believing 
that we want to see others do the same because that is what Jesus says the mission is about. The king's kingdom is our mission. So let's break this down a little bit. Why should mission this way, the way I've just kind of briefly outlined it, why should mission be a purpose for us? Well, as I've already alluded to and started, it was Jesus' mission and he gave it to his subjects. Now, I didn't say followers there, I didn't say uh, brothers and and sisters, I didn't say uh, Christians, all that are true. I said subjects then because we don't talk in that language today, do we? But the reality is a king has subjects. A king expects the people in his kingdom to do what he wants. We are blessed. We are encouraged that our king is perfectly good, just and right and always has our best interests at heart. But we're not living under a tyrannical, evil despot of a king or a dictator as some people do tragically live around the world even today. But he gave us this mission. See, what I'm, I'm sure you're not surprised that when we talk about mission, that I, um, I brought 2 Corinthians 5 into it. You know that I bring it up all the time. Julie mentioned, if there's a Bible verse that we have spent more time talking about, because I just think it's a helpful way to us to check whether we believe this or not, it's that Christ's love compels us. His love for us, demonstrated at the cross, throws us in to wanting to make disciples. It just compels us, throws us, and because... What he wants his subjects to do is to be part of it. And the way 2 Corinthians 5 points it out um, in verse 20, I love the way it talks about us being ambassadors. After saying we are Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that Jesus died once for everyone, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is telling the Corinthians, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. The idea of being an ambassador, I've always thought if you're going to go into politics, that's the best job to get an ambassador. Um, As long as you don't get a hot spot moment or a really tragic time, it seems like a pretty cushy cushy job. But the idea of an ambassador is you go somewhere else and you're the representative of. You speak for that country. If if a subject, a citizen of, of your country finds themselves in trouble in another land and you're the ambassador of that land, you, uh, in, in that land, you represent them in that country. You try and deal with the issues and help them because you are the representative. We, if we're on this mission, see ourselves as representing Jesus. And how do we represent him? as though God were making his appeal through us. And what's the appeal? He, say, he gives the appeal, doesn't he? I didn't, I didn't put it on the screen. He says, we implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to him. If you're wondering why you should consider Jesus, it's because God wants you to be friends with him 
to be in this glorious relationship with him and the only way you can is if you come to Jesus at the cross, which we've already sung about today, and you trust in what he's done for you. That offer is for you even today if you're not sure where you're at. But we have been given this task. How do you think about that in your own life? Secondly, why should this be a purpose? All of life is about a relationship with the king. You know, as I said there, how, how are they going to know? How are other people going to know if God's making the appeal through us and this is the mission we've been given and we don't make it our focus? How are others going to know? We've already had the beautiful feet with the, uh, with the kids earlier. Gee, that was a disgusting foot. In that oh, man, that was that, very disturbing. Um, but what's not disturbing is how we see in uh, the passage in Romans that that comes from, how glorious it is to be part of it and how urgent it is that we actually use our feet, beautiful metaphor, to share the message of Jesus. Have a look at Romans 10, 14 to 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Can you see Jesus came kingdom of God is near, repent and believe, hands it on to his followers and if we don't, what are we doing? And how glorious it is? Because that leads into my third point, my last point, the serious one, the confronting one. Let's be clear today, what's at stake? What's at stake, if we're just going to be blunt, is heaven and hell. That's why I had Psalm 2 as a reading today as well, because I love the way Psalm 2, which is just constantly gets brought up throughout all of the Bible, as this, as this model of the world rejects him. Everyone rejects him, including all the kings and rulers. And in the end, the son is going to be king, and so you've got to choose him. Either you choose him, or he doesn't choose you and he rejects you. Psalm 2, the end of Psalm 2 after all the kings and rulers and people reject him and the son laughs at their, uh, the God laughs at their ridiculousness because the son will rule, this is how it concludes. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. That means make peace with him. Be reconciled to him. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Can you see what's at stake? Jesus comes, fulfills this and makes it clear that the son is him. He is the one that you either kiss or you don't. But you don't get to just ignore him. He goes, ah, well, it doesn't matter. It matters. But if you do kiss him, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Can you see what's at stake? In John's Gospel, what's the most famous verse in John's Gospel? 
John 3.16, God so loved the world that whoever believes in him has eternal life. Pretty famous verse, but it's famous because a little bit later, you actually see how clearly what's at stake and how believing in him and having eternal life is so important. Because we read in John 3.36, what he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. And then, just to be clear, God's wrath won't come, won't, well, remains on them. We live since the fall in rejection of God, in rebellion towards Him, and He's not okay with that, and rightly so. But He has a solution, it's offered to all, and we have the task, the mission, to offer it. Are you convicted in your heart and mind of these things. If I do anything for you today, I would love you to go away thinking, I haven't figured it all out how this works for me, but I need a renewed commitment to that and praying about that. It's what will take grow forward in us bringing more glory to God, in us trusting in Him, in us growing in our relationship with Him and how we will grow together as, and grow in numbers as well if we believe this. We don't want to grow in numbers for the sake of numbers, but I actually do want our church to grow. I really don't like it when people say, I like Grove because it's, it's small, because I think that just flies in the opposite of what uh, the mission is. I would much rather us fill this place out and when we go to the sports centre, which is even uh, probably we could fit just as many or more in, that should be our heart because actually, not just because we want to look good or proud, I, I, don't, I don't care about that, but I care about people seeing what's at stake in repenting, loving Jesus. That's what matters. So what's this look like at Grove? That's what the booklets are for in helping us figure out these five purposes and us thinking it through. I truly want you to have renewed understanding of what our purposes are and to think about how we're talking about it. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that we've worked hard as a network, a Trinity network, um, on these purposes so we're singing from the same song sheet. We've all got uh, leaders in each one of these purposes. We're all talking in the same language so that we can actually work better together for the sake of his kingdom and actually give us greater clarity. It's in your booklets, but the mission there, let me put it, it's on the screen as well, but what, everything I've said, the way we see mission, God is at work in the world and he wants us to join him. We've seen that, haven't we? We are invited to participate in the greatest, most diverse, most significant cause in history. Little old you who thinks you're insignificant and the God of the universe has, has given you no greater task. The greatest, most diverse, most significant cause in history, the building of his kingdom. All Christians, compelled by the love of Christ, 
It's still there. Compelled by the love of Christ, are witnesses to his life, death and resurrection. We can't talk about the mission of God if Jesus, not just notionally is at the centre, but the fact that he lived a perfect life that we uh, couldn't, that he died in our place and that he rose again to conquer death isn't at the very centre of it. Christian churches fall when that is the case. And so for our Trinity churches, we will be compelled by it, we'll be witnesses to it, and Jesus, his life, death and resurrection will always be at the centre. So, I hope you believe in that. Digest it. Think about it. What's it mean for us? How do we express this purpose? Well, the way we're going to say this, and this is I'm just going to finish by getting really practical, and some of the stuff's in the booklet as well, but you see there is that we want to motivate and equip God's people to share the gospel. So that together we are seeing people saved as they respond to Jesus in repentance and faith. You see, um, my task, other than being the pastor of the church, the senior pastor of the church and overseeing the ministry team, the leadership team, my focus, the focus, the purpose that I am spending my time on is mission. And if you want to know how, how I'm thinking about it is, I want to do the best that I can. I want to do way better than I have already. I want to do the best that I can to motivate you with right motives, not out of guilt, and to give you the tools that you need to see others love Jesus. And I think we need to think about this in many different ways. Because some of you right now are thinking, oh, we're just back to evangelism and I've got to tell people about Jesus and I'm really rubbish at doing it and I can't do it. That's part of it. I'm really bad at it, okay? So if you think you're bad at it, I'm bad at it and I'm leading you, but that's not an excuse not to do it and not to have a crack at it and not to have those awkward conversations. But mission is way more than that. And the way I want us to see what that's going to look like for us is I want us to see how it looks um, beyond us, to finish off, what it looks for you personally and how we're going to do that and what it means for us as a church together. So the first thing that, the, the thing that we're going to uh, participate in and launch today and on the 31st of March we're going to have a representative from um, Compassion come to is that we're going to get on board with Compassion. Now has anyone heard of Compassion? Excellent. It's a fantastic organisation and they're all about bringing Jesus to kids around the world who are just don't have what we have. There's a little video for three minutes um, that I'm just going to play and our hope is that we will, as a, as a church and as individuals, get on board with compassion. It is complex and widespread. It devastates communities, families and those most vulnerable, children. But in the midst of great poverty, God provides the local church. A church is a family, a community, reaching out to their neighbours, to children. God brings his hope and love to people of all nations through his church. But to reach out to children and families living in poverty, a church sometimes needs a partner. That's where Compassion comes in. Compassion works in partnership with local churches in more than 26 developing countries around the globe. Our goal is to see children released from poverty in Jesus' name 
through the love and practical support of their local church. Compassion is Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. We believe that addressing poverty in all its complexity and difficulty means showing children and their mums and dads that God loves them and sent Jesus for them. We believe through the gospel message and the love of Jesus, children can be truly released from the four forms of poverty, spiritual, socio-emotional, physical, and economic. With the commitment of the local church and the power of God, our strategic programs have seen more than a million children released from poverty since 1952. All around the world, local people, highly trained, dedicated staff, local experts like doctors and teachers, passionate volunteers from the local church are building relationships with children, encouraging them, improving their access to medical care, clean water, nutritional support, and an education at a local school, showing them a different path, a path that will lead them out of poverty and into a new hope. From the womb to the workforce, compassion helps in the long-term development of children, because focusing on children is a powerful and effective way to spread wider change through families and communities. So how does it work? The Child Sponsorship Program is the core of Compassion's ministry. It connects one sponsor with one child living in poverty, providing healthcare and education, as well as encouragement and prayer. Critical Needs builds upon the foundation of the Child Sponsorship Program by providing additional support for things like clean water, emergency care, disaster relief, pre- and postnatal care, and vocational training. Together, these programs help around 7,000 local churches meet the needs of children in their communities. From Bangladesh to Burkina Faso, from Ethiopia to El Salvador, local people are creating local solutions to the problem of poverty. And in all of those communities and churches, one thing stays the same. Our partnerships are built on integrity, trust, and accountability. So who is Compassion? Together, we're 1.7 million children, babies, mums, and students, and a million more graduates. We're hundreds of thousands of supporters and sponsors. We're passionate child advocates. We're mums and dads. We're businesses. We're community groups and churches. We're a community, a family that stretches across continents. We're united in heart, one in spirit, convinced that Christ and His church all over the world can work mighty wonders in the face of extreme poverty. We are compassion, and we're releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. What our hope is, is that we will sponsor children from the same place. And Roger, uh, Roger Brook, um, who many of you know is a pastor, he's been a pastor around this area for a long time, he's going to come uh, in, um, in March and uh, talk to us more about that and how we can do that. There's details on the back table, there's the, um, there's child sponsorship booklets and other things up there, um, but we want to do it in the same place and it, my hope in, in long-term picture is that maybe we can even uh, do a trip to a place where we've got all our kids that we sponsor and even do things on the ground uh, with the church that's there. Uh, so that's something, because we're not about building our kingdom here, our little empire. We're about God's kingdom, and this is a great way to do that and encourage one another. Likewise, we have two mission, uh, uh, mission organisations that we have a commitment to. I'm not going to spend details on, on today just because I don't want to bamboozle you, but we're committed to supporting the slacks at Catherine, so within Australia with Bush Church Aid and um, the potential of doing a mission trip uh, with them uh, sooner than later is possible and finding out what they're doing there. Um, but also uh, CMS and the, in Namibia, the, the Rose are our missionaries. And we, I think, 
to be honest, we, uh, we need to do a better job of supporting them and praying more for them. Um, and they're coming back in August uh, for their time back and they're gonna, uh, we'll organise time to spend with them as well. And so we're going to do that as well. That's beyond us. I'm going to get it to the end. But I do want to just help you get a picture of what mission looks like. It's more than just saying, oh, I've got to just be a, this amazing evangelist. I talked about this previously and I'm absolutely committed to it and I don't think we did it well enough last year either. I think every single follower of Jesus should constantly be thinking about how they can share their story in all different ways and their testimonies uh, to other people. The best way to talk with people is to share your life with them and not just to stumble through but be intentional about it. Sharing your story is one of the most profound thing you can do and if you love Jesus and you've said yes I follow him then you can say that to someone else and you can talk about how it's impacted in your life and so I'm committed to that we have those often in the book on the back page people sharing a bit about their lives and testimonies that's great but what we're going to do in our Romans series in Romans 1 to 4 after this series each week we're going to focus on sharing our testimonies we're going to have people get up and interviewed we're going to talk about how you can share your stories better and we're going to think about that and so actually while we think beyond us we want to own our personal conversations and our own life story you think your christian story is boring remember that jesus didn't give the mission to those who had amazing conversions he gave it to everyone to share. And I do really like this phrase from Rico Tice, and I want to own it, and I am a Bible teacher, and I think we all should own it. We are not all Bible teachers, although many of you are very good Bible teachers, but we are all Bible sharers. That's what the mission is, telling people we love Jesus. And so the thing that we have been advertising is, it's in your booklet, the Word One-to-One series, these booklets here. This, if you don't think you could ever read the Bible with someone because you haven't got the skills, this gives you the skills because basically um, you read it. I think you all can read, so you're up for it. You see, it's that simple. But you may be thinking, this series uh, is too basic for me. I actually am going to use it because um, I think it's really worthwhile. So if you think, I haven't got the skills to do it, this is something that is really worthwhile um, signing up for. Um, I'd really love you to think about doing it. The details are on Saturday. The guy who wrote this series and put it together is, um, is here and is going to be doing um, some training for us um, with Modbury at Trinity Church Modbury. And I'd love many of us to come along to that. So if you think you don't need it, well, I think I need it. So you, you're, you're quali- you qualify. And if you don't think you've got the skills... That's because this, this is actually here for you to give you confidence. Um, so I'd love you to think about this as one way of just reading the Bible with people as well. And so lastly, what do we think about as a church? Well, we want to be committed, and I've got just three things to point about it. When we think about mission, we want to give people an opportunity outside of Sundays to come together and talk about what Christianity is about. As we have our life course that I will be investing time into um, getting up and happening and doing better um, over the year. My hope is that we could almost have one every term. It goes for four weeks. That could be something, you know what, I don't think I could just talk to people lots, but once people are there and are willing to talk, I think I could engage. You could be part of a team that runs it. We need you to do the course, not just people to come to it. 
I also want you to think about right now. I wonder whether you've ever thought when you come on a Sunday, oh, what oh, I want to grow in my understanding of God, I want to praise Him, I want to have good fellowship. But have you thought that every Sunday is a mission Sunday? Because every Sunday we fail if we don't say, Jesus has died for you and you need to love Him and trust and turn to Him. That He's done it all for you. So every Sunday that message will be declared. That's my promise to you. That you can have confidence no matter what we're doing, that happens. And that you should be thinking there's opportunities for people to come to faith by coming on Sunday. It's already happened here at Grove that that's been a reality. And so we need to think about Sundays that way. And lastly, the one thing that we haven't spent a lot of time on at Grove, intentionally, but I think now it's, now it's time for us to do more, is specific things that we could do, specific events. In the booklet there, there's two examples that aren't necessarily what we'll do, but what we do, carols, you know, there's all sorts of kind of events where we get together to give people an opportunity to hear about Jesus in some way, whatever it is. We could do lots of things. If you're passionate about something, we can have a crack at doing that. But I say all that because that's what it's going to look like to give you a tangible feeling for where we're heading. But the question matters more to me. This question. Does your purpose in life align with your king's purpose? If you love Jesus and you switched off today from mission, it doesn't. If you love Jesus and you feel like overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, that doesn't matter. I always feel overwhelmed. If I got to choose, out of the five purposes to choose to lead, this would be the one I feel most scared in leading. But it doesn't matter. It matters. What matters is, do we believe that Jesus has given this task or not? Well, in a moment, we're going to stand and sing the song, I Will Rise, as a response to saying, yes, we do. And sing it boldly with me as we do that. I'm going to briefly pray, and a bit later, Jen will, Jen, uh, will pray for us more about um, our mission. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you have just given us this amazing, ridiculous privilege of being part of your mission you didn't need to use us, but you have. Help us to understand clearly what's at stake. Help us to be compelled by Jesus' love. Father, we pray that you will take us uh, places that we can't even see or imagine in the coming years here at Grove. Father, help us to do all that for building of your kingdom and your glory, not ourselves. In his name we pray. Amen.